Hello, good evening and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by the lovely people over at loserpool.com. It's a fantastic new betting game where you pick the loser from week to week. It's free to enter and you are in with a shout of winning a prize of £1,000. You'd be silly not to play. It's free. Head over to loserpool.com for more information. On this edition, we'll be looking back at another disappointing defeat our third in the space of a week this time up at Leicester City uh, before I get into it and I start uh, moaning <laughs> um, I want to wish all my fellow Greeks and the rest of the Orthodox world a happy Easter the only consolation after today's abysmal result was that we got to enjoy our barbecues uh, straight after so I can imagine that the rest of North London was was smelling as good as my road was uh, today so a happy Easter to all of you and uh, yeah now, as always, I'm going to start off with Unai Emery's uh, initial team selection because I always do that. Um, right, so uh, it was, of course, Bern Leno in goal, Maitland-Niles, Socrates, Mustafi and Kolasinac made up the back four with Lauren Koscielny on the bench. It was a midfield four in the end of Henrik Mkhitaryan, Granit Xhaka, Lucas Torreira and Alex Iwobi with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and Alexander Lacazette up top. Now, when I first saw the team come out. I wasn't sure uh, what the shape was going to be. Looking at the personnel that were there, it could have been, uh, you know, the 4-2-3-1 that we've seen uh, so many times this season with Aubameyang maybe operating from the left, one of Mkhitaryan or Iwobi on the right and the other one in that number 10 role. Um, but that wasn't to be the case. As soon as the game started, it was pretty evident that it was a 4-4-2, a uh, flat four in the midfield and then the two strikers. Um I'll be honest, I mean, when you think about the 4-4-2 shape, it's not necessarily a negative system. So I won't say that, but what I will say is it was pretty clear from the first minute that it was as though our game plan was to go out there, sit with two banks of four and hope to pick Leicester City off. Leicester City, you know, everybody talks about them being a counter-attacking side and... You know, that's been true of them for the last few years. But I think that's slightly changed under Brendan Rodgers. They're a lot um, more willing to, to play on the front foot for larger periods of the game. And I think that is one of the things that Brendan Rodgers has brought to this side. And it's a, a real difference, in my opinion, to, to the way they were playing under Claude Puel, under Claudio Ranieri, under Craig Shakespeare when he took over for a brief period. So, um, you know, I, I feel as though we kind of showed Leicester City too much respect. It was as though we were going to sit off and try and let them come at us. Or The fact was that they had all the possession and we couldn't really get near them. Uh, I've seen people talking about a good start to the game. I didn't think it was a good start, to be honest. I could count on one hand how many times uh, this afternoon Arsenal put together a passing sequence of more than four or five passes. And for me, that's not good enough. I, you know, People talk about possession being meaningless. And at times, you know, possession can be, um, you know, it could lead to nothing. But what it does do is it means you can't concede. When you've got the ball, you don't concede, do you? So for me, I, I, I'm i used to seeing Arsenal go to most grounds and have the lion's share of possession. That is what I expect from Arsenal. That is the kind of football that Arsene Wenger's given us for these last 20 odd years. Even in the darker days, we still had plenty of possession. And so... I struggled to watch Arsenal go to teams like Leicester and set up the way we did. I think it was really negative. I think it's been negative away from home all season. And for me, that's a huge part of why we are where we are now. Because away from home, 
We just don't have the balls. I, I don't understand it. It's as if we go there with a completely different mentality. And for me, you know, we're Arsenal Football Club. This might sound arrogant. It might sound cocky. But I expect Arsenal to go anywhere and try and play football. I get that you'd be more conservative when you go to Old Trafford, when you go to White Hart Lane, when you go to Anfield, when you go to the Etihad, when you go to Chelsea. But I don't expect it when you go to Leicester. I don't expect it when you go to Wolves. I don't expect it when you go to Brighton. I don't expect it when you go to Crystal Palace. This has been one of my issues with Unai Emery throughout the season. I just feel that things have been too negative on the road. Now, you know, the game started off and, and you know, we we didn't really have any impact. Alex Iwobi had a very good opportunity um, in the first half. He was put through by Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. But the minute the ball got to Alex Iwobi, you just got that feeling as though he didn't believe he was going to score. He didn't believe that he could make anything of this situation. And as we've seen for, you know, as long as I can remember with Alex Iwobi, he was toothless in front of goal. There was no bravery. There was no... You know, arrogance, there was no, um, what's the word, belief that he was going to find the bottom corner and put it past Schmeichel and put Arsenal in the lead. You just knew the minute that the ball reached him that the chance was gone. And that's sad, but that's indicative of the way this guy has been throughout his Arsenal career. Yes, he's young. Yes, he's a good prospect. Yes, there are other elements to his game that are very useful to our side. But the fact is, in front of goal, um, he's just not composed enough and he's not clinical enough. And you know, he missed a good chance against Crystal Palace uh, last week as well. So it's a common thing with Alex Iwobi. And I feel that, you know, whilst that wasn't the turning point, it had a huge impact in the way that the game panned out in the end. Ainsley Maitland-Niles was sent off the first booking. Um, you know, it probably was a foul. But the reason I felt hard done by with that was because, of course, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang should have had a free kick awarded in his favour just moments before that. In fact, in the lead up to that, and we ended up conceding a free kick and we ended up getting our player into the book. And, and Ainsley Maitland-Niles, the second one, you know, there wasn't much contact with Madison. But if you lunge in like that and you're on a yellow card, you're giving the decision, uh, sorry, the referee a decision to make. And nine times out of ten, when you're away from home in the Premier League, particularly when it was Michael Oliver, you're going to get shown the red card. And that, in my opinion, killed any hope that we had of winning that game. And, uh, you know, again, I'm not saying that we were good before that because we weren't. It, it still wasn't good enough. But that killed any hope of improving it, of changing things in the second half. Henrik Mkhitaryan slotted in at right back for the remainder of that half. It wasn't long, granted. And thank God for that because the last time Henrik Mkhitaryan played at right back was at Rennes um, in the first leg of that Europa League tie where he moved there. And Emery persisted with that uh, for the entirety of the game. And it cost us in the end. We were getting torn apart time after time. So when he made the change at half-time and he took Alex Iwobi off and he brought Lauren Koscielny on, Mustafi shifted over to right-back. I thought that was a good move. I think that Mustafi is better at right-back than he is at centre-back, but, you know, he's still Mustafi, isn't he? Um, without sounding disrespectful. But then we went to sort of this flat midfield three with uh, Torreira, Xhaka and Mkhitaryan. And for me, it just didn't work. It was all over the place that you never knew what was supposed to be happening. You never understood what the shape was meant to be. Often Granite Xhaka was the furthest forward. Henrik Mkhitaryan was the deepest. And you'd think that that would be the other way around, given the players' attributes and that Henrik Mkhitaryan's an attacking midfielder. So 
that didn't make sense to me. I didn't feel that worked. I think we were killed in the wide areas as a result of that. I think that, um, you know, when the likes of Chilwell and, and is it Ricardo, the right back, got forward and doubled up with, with Leicester's other wide players, our fullbacks were doomed. And, you know, let's be honest, Serkalasinac is not the best defensively anyway. And I'm going to come on to him in a minute um, because I had a real issue with his performance today. But we'll come back to that. Um, but, you know, players were doubling up on our fullbacks. We didn't have the width across the middle of the park to, to protect them, um, to help them out. And, you know, I, this might sound negative, but if it was me in charge, I probably would have actually uh, sacrificed one of the forwards. I thought they were both awful this afternoon. Yes, the service wasn't there. The service was very limited, but none of them chased. None of them hassled. None of them were desperate to win the ball back. None of them put a shift in. They were both, in my opinion, embarrassing this afternoon. And, you know, for all those of you who say that I don't criticise the players and I blame it all on the manager, I'm going to dig out Aubameyang today. I'm going to dig out Lacazette today, particularly Aubameyang, because we see that lacklustre, lethargic um, performance far too often from him. And I know his goal record speaks for itself. And I was saying that last week, but, you know, in these kind of games, you need him to muck in and he just doesn't do it. I thought that Ser Kalasinac, coming back to that point now, was awful. I think we've always known that he's been suspect defensively. But for me, the biggest disappointment was the way he just... Um, you know, there were two op- uh, two uh, scenarios in the first half, apologies, where he was half-heartedly tracking back. Players had got in behind Madison Vardy on his side in that channel between him and the centre-half. And he just wasn't willing to track back. It was jogging. It was half-hearted. It was disappointing. He got up the pitch, you know, um, when Alex Iwobi had the ball on the left and Iwobi assumed that Kolasinac was there and he played the ball to the left. And Kolasinac should be there. That's what Ser Kolasinac does. But he didn't. He didn't make the run. And he didn't start on Wednesday. So there's no excuse in my book, for Ser Kalasinac's performance. There was another thing in the first half where he tried a silly bit of skill um, on the byline, gave the ball to Socrates, who lumped it out for safety. And, you know, he looked at him sarcastically and, and was angry with Socrates for giving possession away or booting it out. But, mate, you're on your byline. We can't defend as it is. What are you doing? Stop taking risks. Playing out from the back is one thing. Trying stupid flicks and tricks on the byline is another. And for me, he was very disappointing today. Very, very disappointing. Granite Xhaka, a player who I always defend, a player who people say on social media, I will never criticise. That's absolute nonsense. Granite Xhaka was shocking today, particularly in, uh, you know, in Leicester's first goal, where Yuri Tillemans is running alongside him and he just lets him go. He doesn't track him. That's not the first time we've seen Granite Xhaka do that. In an Arsenal shirt, Granit Xhaka switching off, allowing midfielders to run in beyond him, unmarked into the penalty area. And we paid the price again. We paid the price. I think Leicester City probably would have scored at some point anyway. Such was their dominance. But you don't want to give them cheap goals. You don't want to make it easy for your opponent. And we do that far too much. The only player for me that can come out of that game with his head held high is Bern Leno. I thought Bern Leno was awful at Wolves. He made, in my opinion, certainly two costly errors that led directly to goals. You could argue that the free kick maybe he could have done a little bit better there, but I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that one. So two goals were down to Bern Leno the other night. And, you know, to his credit, 
he went to Leicester today and he put in a real good, solid performance, made a whole host of saves. And you hate to imagine what the score could have been had Bern Leno not been on fire today. So praise to Bern Leno, the only person that I'll give any praise to. Now, you know, of course, the the race for the top four, lots of you will say that, you know, at the beginning of the season, we didn't expect to be in it. Our expectations are too high of Emery's side. And so this is kind of where we should be at, really. Well, I disagree. And the reason I disagree is this. At one stage, Manchester United were over 10 points behind us. Chelsea are probably having, in terms of their league form, before, you know, the last couple of days, their worst season in the Premier League for a decade. And all of a sudden, you know, well, their last season in a decade, bar the one that Mourinho had them in 11th place or whatever when he got sacked. Um, but they've closed that gap. They've they've picked up some results. They picked up a, a good draw at, Stanford, uh, at Old Trafford, sorry, this afternoon. A draw that puts them in the driving seat now for Champions League qualification. They're still in the Europa League, etc. They've turned it around. They've turned the corner. And I believe that's because Maurizio Sarri has stuck to his guns. Maurizio Sarri has been criticised for the way he wants to play football. But at least you know what the way he wants to play is. And I can't say the same thing about Unai Emery. I can't sit here and tell you what Unai Emery's preferred system is. I can't tell you who his best 11 is. I can't tell you any of that. I can't tell you what his idea is. And for me, when you're talking about this and you're still saying these things, two games from the end of the season, that is criminal. It's absolutely criminal. He should know what his best team is. He should know how he wants to play. And then when you look at the way you want to play and you look at the plays you've got, you start to see the gaps. You start to see, right, Granit Xhaka, for example, can't play the dynamic midfield role that I want. Uh, you know, Ainsley Maitland-Niles cannot play at right back. Therefore, Hector Bellerin's going to come back to fitness, but we need to go and get someone else because I don't think Licksteiner can do it either. I would have so much more respect for Unai Emery if he had come into this club, put his plan in place, stuck to it, worked with it, and then said, you know what, I need X, Y, and Z in the summer. If the club don't give him that, if the club don't back him, then it's the club that are to blame. But Unai Emery has not given them anything to look at and say, Yes, we see the vision, we see the future. And people comparing him to Klopp and Guardiola and saying, look at their first seasons in the Premier League, etc., etc. And yes, they weren't great their first seasons, but you could certainly see the way they wanted to play. You could see the vision, you could see the idea. And that's why Liverpool, for example, bought into that. They sold players, but they did make sure that all those funds were available for Jurgen Klopp to go and reinvest and get the players he needs. And... You know, Liverpool probably won't win the title now after Man City's result today. But you have to say this is probably the best season they've had in, you know, it's certainly in in my lifetime, in my memory anyway. So it's all about, you know, putting a plan in place, having an identity, having a vision. Arsenal don't have that under Unai Emery. And I challenge anyone who disagrees with me to tell me what that vision is, because I don't see it. And I'm not the only person that doesn't see it. The problem with our fan base at the moment is that there are far too many people who were so anti-Arsene Wenger, were so adamant that he was finished past it. And I'm not disagreeing. Arsene Wenger 
was finished. Arsene Wenger needed to move on. It was the right time. But the abuse that some of these people gave to Arsene Wenger means that they now feel like hypocrites if they sit there and say, Unai Emery got this wrong, Unai Emery got that wrong. And they're blinded by it. They're blinded by the fact that they wanted change. And they're blinded and they can't see that this change probably wasn't the right change. It wasn't the right move, in my opinion. And you know what? I'll probably look a little bit silly if Arsenal go and win the Europa League. But I don't give a shit. That's the honest truth. I don't care if Arsenal win the Europa League. It does not excuse our performances on the road in the Premier League this season. It simply doesn't cut it for me. At the end of the day, the Europa League is a cup competition. Aside from Napoli, we've had a fairly easy run. And you could say we were fortunate uh, that Napoli just didn't turn up because they're certainly a lot better side than what they showed in the two legs against us. I think this whole bad run stems ultimately from Unai Emery's arrogance and what I'm I'm going to explain what I mean by that because I'm sure there's some of you now listening to this kicking off tweeting me ready to have a go at me and by the way I've had loads of of tweets today uh, just for saying that Unai Emery is partly responsible for this people assuming that I've said one thing when I haven't read the tweets you'll see you know I, I, I don't excuse the players they're a disgrace they're an absolute disgrace they aren't fit to wear the Arsenal shirt. But Unai Emery is partly to blame for this situation that we find ourselves in now as well. And if you can't see that, if you can't even admit that Unai Emery is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5% at fault, then I'm sorry, but you're watching something completely different. You know, you tweet me at Chronicles underscore AFC. I, want, I like to hear other people's views. I really do. Um, you know, I might not agree with them, but I'm keen to hear them if they're put forward in a respectful and, and productive way. Brilliant. Why not? Uh, let me have them. Uh, but anyway, going back to my point, because I've, I've drifted a little bit there. I'm so wound up this evening. I normally don't record these on a Sunday night, but I felt like this one couldn't wait. I felt like this one needs to be available on Monday morning um, for people to digest. So, of course, let me know what you think about it. Like it, share it, comment, um, whatever you need to do. Unai Emery's arrogance has cost us because having beaten Napoli, we, you know, we cruised through that second leg in second gear. I don't think any of those players were particularly uh, exhausted after that game. I don't think any of those players were, um, you know, so run down that they couldn't feature at the weekend. But by picking an understrength side against Crystal Palace that Sunday, Unai Emery, for me, sent the complete wrong signal to his players he sent the signal as if to say actually guys this game isn't a priority and that the um complacency crept in complacency comes from the top it crept into that group of players on that day and we were utterly embarrassed at the emirates stadium by crystal palace you know their away form's been brilliant it was stupid it was naive to think that you would get away with playing Genduzi, playing El Nenny, playing Jenkinson, and mucking about with the team and the dynamic of it for that particular fixture. It was all wrong. It was all wrong. When, yet, you know, we had the Wolves game on the Wednesday, so I, I that would be Unai Emery's excuse, wouldn't it? Too many games, too close to each other, etc. But for me, looking at that run of games, and I said this before, I'm not just saying this now because... It's blown up in our faces. Of course, hindsight is a wonderful thing. But like I said, I called this from the start. Crystal Palace, of the three fixtures that we've just lost, 
was the only one that you looked at and you thought, if we go full strength, we should definitely win this. It was the only banker of those three fixtures. Wolves, for me, away was never going to be easy. In fact, given our away record this season, I was certain we were going to get beat. I was certain we were going to get beat at Leicester too. So why not play your players? Go for that home banker. Get those three points on the board. And then go to Wolves. Go to Leicester. Sit back, defend. And if you get anything on the break, it's a bonus. If you come away with any points, it's a bonus. But you can't do that when you've lost the banker. You you just can't do that. And, you know, it it just doesn't make sense to me. I can't get my head around Unai's way of thinking. I think he completely sent the wrong message to the players. I think the players that were on the pitch weren't good enough. I think our confidence has taken a massive dent as a result of that. We went to Wolves, we got absolutely thumped. You know, we went to, to Leicester and we got hammered again. So, had we picked up those three points against Crystal Palace... We would be in a very good position now because given the way the other results have turned out, we've been given a lifeline and people will argue back and say, but we're punching above our weight being in the battle for the top four. Given the circumstances, given where United were, given how Chelsea have been playing for the majority of this season, given the Spurs were so far in front of us and now they're not. That's not because we've been great. That's because they've been poor. That's because... The circumstances around us have allowed us back into this race. And having had a Champions League spot in the palm of our hands, we now find ourselves hoping that some of the teams above us will slip up. And even if they do, do you trust this side to go and get the job done? We need a huge overhaul in the summer. People will say Unai Emery needs his own players. Yes, he does. Of course he does. Every manager does. But do you honestly believe that this club are going to give Unai Emery the financial backing that he needs to turn this team around? Because I don't. And therefore, we need a coach or a manager or whatever you want to call him these days, a head coach. Excuse me for not knowing the, the right term. You need someone who will get the maximum out of this group. And I'm not saying that this group are good enough. I'm not saying that this group are without their faults. But this group are certainly... A lot better than what Unai Emery is getting out of them at the moment. And the way you can tell that is because in certain games this season, they've been brilliant. And other times, they've been lethargic, lacklustre. That suggests to me that there is a motivational issue at this football club. And Arsene Wenger lost his job because he couldn't motivate players anymore. Because he couldn't set upright. Well, Unai Emery isn't setting upright almost every other week. Every time we go away from home, it's wrong. It's negative, it's boring. And he's also not able to motivate these players. So how good a job is he doing? How good a job is he doing? And, you know, I, I people will say that I'm too negative and that I've been on his case all season. No, I'm just saying what I see. And I've never been convinced about this guy from day one. Do I think that he will be sacked in the summer? No, I don't. I think he'll get another season. And that's fair enough. What's the point in bringing him in if you're going to terminate his contract after one season? But the fact that he was given a three-year deal with the option to terminate after two years says to me that this club are not certain about him. They never were. Ivan Gazidis hired him, remember? Sven Mislintat had a huge part in the hiring because he liked these ideas. Where are they now? 
They're both gone. They've both left the club. And so now Arsenal find themselves in a situation where the guys running things and calling the shots now maybe didn't see Unai Emery as their first choice. But now they've got him and now they need to make the decision whether they think he's the right man or not. Because if he's not, then they're not going to back him financially. And the January transfer window was the biggest sign yet that these guys are still on the fence. I'm not saying that they want Unai Emery gone. I'm saying that they're not 100% convinced and neither am I. Yeah, I mean, people have been on at me at tw- on Twitter today. What kind of Arsenal fan are you? You're negative, etc., etc. I'm not negative. I'm saying exactly what I see. And what I see at the moment is a team who are struggling for confidence, a team who are struggling for motivation, a team who do not know what they're supposed to be doing on the pitch from week to week. We went to Wolves on Wednesday. I was up at Molyneux. And the first thing, that we all said when we got in the car to come home was that Wolverhampton Wanderers side all know exactly what their role is, know their position inside out and execute the manager's instructions to a T. Unai Emery, with all due respect, cannot speak English. His English is atrocious. He goes into an interview, he's asked a question and he answers a different one. Now, that's not a personal attack on Unai Emery. I speak two languages. I know how difficult it is to, you know, to be able to have to learn another language and pick up another language quickly. It's taken me years and years and years. And I had the benefit of that second language being spoken at home. So that's why I learned it. But if I had to go out and learn another language from scratch without having any background of it, any understanding of it, I'd struggle. And so that's fine. But Unai Emery has been very clear that he doesn't want to use translators and he wants to do this and he wants to do that. Well, just as though we don't understand what the fuck he's talking about half the time in his interviews, I'm sure that the players are having communication issues. I'm sure that those issues are there. You know, there's only so much that Nacho Monreal can help or Hector Bellerin can help or any of his coaching staff can help. But the fact is... When you're translating stuff, things get lost in translation. And for me, it's a combination of things. It's A, there's no plan. It's B, there's a communication error. C, the players probably aren't good enough to do it on a consistent basis. So it's a whole combination of things. But Unai Emery is not totally free from blame here. So if you're sitting there going, oh, you know, what's wrong with you? Why are you picking on the manager? I'm picking on the manager because the manager is ultimately responsible for a football team's performance. That's why managers get sacked all the time. Players don't. Managers do. Because it's his job to oversee this transformation. It's his job to improve us from where we were last season. And in some aspects, we have improved. But I also think we've had the rub of the green a lot this season. Particularly during that 20-whatever game unbeaten run. I think we, we scraped through that quite a bit we had a few very lucky moments and that's kind of football isn't it you know things can be decided on luck one slip one bad refereeing call can be so pivotal to a season so do I think we've improved not enough that's that's the answer not enough do I think that you know Unai Emery is the right man in the long term probably not I'll be honest that's where I'm at at the moment Will I 
be going to the Emirates against Brighton holding an Emery out banner? Absolutely not. Of course not. I would leave him probably for one more season. But the longer this goes on, the more unconvinced I remain about this manager and whether he is the right man to take us forward. And I think the club have the same concerns and that's why you're not seeing money given to him, uh, money spent. And, you know, I don't think that we're going to spend big in the summer and people are going to tell me, oh, you know, we've got the Adidas deal. So what? The money's going to come into the club. It doesn't mean that the Cronkies are going to release the purse strings and say, here you go, Unai. Here's the Adidas money. Go and get the players you need. In my opinion, that's not going to happen. We will be very limited in the summer again, partly because they don't want to spend and partly because they're still on the fence about this manager. And there's nothing wrong with that. We're assessing his performance for what it is. There's no space here for, um, you know, nostalgia. I'm feeling like, you know, this guy has G'd up the crowd a few times or, you know, he's the Arsenal manager, so we have to back him no matter what. If that was the case, the way some of you treated Arsene Wenger was an absolute disgrace. So this is this is where I'm at at the moment. I'm really, really disappointed. I'm really upset. I'm really wound up. Probably should have recorded this the next day with a call ahead. But there you go. That's my sort of two pence on, on the matter. Um, well, half an hour's worth of two pence. Um, right, let's let's have a look at some of you guys' comments and questions uh, following on from today's game. Right, this first comment comes in from The Masked Gunner on Twitter. He says, I wouldn't call it Unai's arrogance. He gambled and lost completely. Even without hindsight, I was looking forward to the strongest team against Palace to ensure we got at least three points this week. Seems like he felt we needed to win all three this week. Great point. Um, and, and that's where, you know, people talk about Unai Emery being more calculated and more pragmatic. This is where I think that he proves he isn't. Because... You know, he should have looked at the bigger picture. And I know you can't account for the other teams dropping points, but getting three points on the board against Palace was far more likely than getting three points on the board at Wolves. So that's that's kind of where I struggle with it. Um, my comment was, you know, that Unai's arrogance has cost us. Uh, Marble Halls TV on Twitter says, I agree. And the Everton game too, so saying that he missed the uh, messed up the Everton game. But there was time to turn it around with good performances against Wolves and Leicester. It's a mix of the manager and the players. Uh, Demi on Twitter, at Demi underscore V, says, um, would you trust Emery with a big transfer budget this summer? I'm concerned we may blow a lot of money and then if it doesn't work out, we won't have any manager for the next... Uh, any money, sorry, for the next manager. Not sure I've seen enough to trust him with 100 million or whatever the budget is. I completely agree. If you're the club, what have you seen to suggest that he will spend it wisely? And I know I've said this throughout the season, but he bought in four defensive players in the summer, whether it was him or, or San Lee or whoever brought them in. It doesn't really matter. We bought in, Stan Kroenke gave the money to the guys that make the footballing decisions they brought in four defensive players and we're worse off defensively. So, you know, that's a, obviously cause for concern. Um, Mazaruni says, and Ramsey's injuries had an impact. Yeah, of course it has. Of course it has. But that shouldn't be the end of the world, in, in my opinion. I think, you know, had the manager got his tactics right and been a little bit more brave in certain games, I don't think we'd have missed him as much. Um 
Bubsy on Twitter says, I think his negative tactics away from home have cost us. We're so passive. We've got two of the most lethal strikers in Europe, but don't play to their strengths. How many times have any of our strikers been played through on goal? It's true. We don't create because we don't have enough of the ball. We're not brave enough in possession. It's sideways. It's boring. It's slow. You know, all the points that we've been kind of going on about. Um, oh, this one comes from Highbury Origin. He says, you were spot on on AFTV, Harry, and everyone was giving you shit, me included. Sorry, pal. <laughs> Apology accepted, mate. But look, I don't want to be right about Unai Emery cocking things up. I'm an Arsenal fan. I want Arsenal to do well. And a lot of people on social media don't seem to get that. They think that I'm sitting here every weekend waiting for Unai Emery to slip up. That's not the case. If you've listened to the last few shows, you'd have heard me praising him throughout that fantastic run. I think on the Napoli show... I called him f almost flawless in the last two months. So, you know, if you think I've got an agenda about Emery, you're wrong. If you think I've got an agenda about Xhaka, that I'm always defending him, you're wrong because I've slagged him off tonight. I slagged plenty of players off tonight. If you think that I defend Mesut Ozil too much, again, you're wrong. I've called him out when his performances have been poor. But I think he's still better than some of the shit that we've got and some of the players that seem to be getting game time ahead of him at times. Were we any better without Mesut Ozil today? No, in my opinion, we were worse. We couldn't string any passes together. We we weren't ticking. No one was picking up the space in the pockets. I didn't even think that Mesut Ozil was bad at Wolves and people have sort of come with their knives out again after him. But anyway, uh, going to bring this one to an end. Going to wrap it up. Going to be back on Tuesday with a Valencia preview. Um, so yeah, I'll be joined by a guest for that. We'll be looking ahead to the uh, Europa League semi-final first leg on Thursday night against Valencia. We'll be looking into our opponents in a little bit more detail and uh, I'll be giving you my thoughts on how I think we should approach that. Um, but of course, what do I know? Hey, uh, We'll be back then and uh, until then guys, enjoy your week. Have a good one and let's hope Arsenal haven't spoiled it too much. Ciao.